Did you know that nearly 9 out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. We're in an emotional business, and sometimes agents make an emotional decision. But long-term, we've written and, and have done some research on this concept called the perception of fit. People have to feel like, I belong here. That's short-term, If once they get into that culture, that they don't feel like they fit. They don't feel like they belong. They don't know how to plug in. You know, agents want to know that, that they can get paid on time, that they can get paid accurately, that they can get the support they need. That all boils into the word culture. That's part of who they are. But when they get in there, they don't feel like, oh, I made an emotional decision and now I don't know how to plug in. I'm not connected. The culture is not what I'm used to. Then they, they bolt. This is Tracy Velt with Housing Wire. And today I'd like to welcome Mark Johnson to the podcast. Mark is an author, speaker. He's the co-founder of Co-Recruit Systems and a business partner in Third Pool Recruiting Systems. He has also has a deep real estate industry experience as the former brand president and CEO of JPAR Real Estate. Um, company owned stores and under his leadership, they grew nearly five times in size in five years with 8 billion in sales and 24,000 annual transactions, 4,000 sales associates. He has done a ton of research on recruiting and has a ton of data through his company working with brokers on their um, recruiting and talent attraction. And today he shared some really great information. Um, one of the, one of the really kind of biggest takeaways is if you're not doing events for both recruiting and retention or attraction and retention, you should be doing them. Um, you know, right now agents are very uncertain with the litigation, with the low inventory, they're struggling to, to really figure out where their next, um, listing is coming from, what's going to happen in the business. And by having these events, you can really move them, um, as Mark said, from uncertainty and fear to a place of understanding and um, a way to really retain them in your business. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. It was really enlightening. He also explained kind of the difference between talent attraction and recruiting. It's not exactly what everyone thinks it is. So enjoy. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. I know. I um, Every time I go to sell something on Poshmark, I think of your wife. <laughs> so selling handbags. Yeah, she's, uh, of course, she's currently now pursuing her nursing degree. She's doing that as well as, as uh, the other. You, you guys share that passion and I've learned a lot. <laughs> That's right. But we are not here to talk about fashion. Unfortunately, we are here to talk about recruiting. Um, so I want to start a little bit just because I think the the idea of recruiting has really shifted to attraction. So I want you to talk a little bit about what the difference is between, um, you know, recruiting and talent attraction. You know, I just did a survey of about, I had about 300 different people on a webinar we're doing and over half thought they were the same and half thought they were different. Tracy, the analogy I would use is between branding and selling. 
right? One is in a sense branding and one is selling. You know, recruiting is more selling and branding is more attracting them into your brand. You know, we know that people need to experience your culture. They have to feel a perception of fit. And some of the fastest growing firms are doing this through attraction events, inviting people into their latest business uh, review event or uh, some training event so they can experience the culture. That's attraction. And so what do you think are some common mistakes that brokers make, you know, maybe just in not understanding the difference and not doing the attraction side of it? If you're not doing the attraction side, then all you're doing is selling, right? And selling has its place. But how much easier is it? You and I know we've been in the industry forever. How much easier is it when someone, in a sense, self-refers? And I came to your event. I was really intrigued about your culture. I met a couple of your agents, and I, I felt like I belonged there. How much easier is that to do than to try and convince someone that, you know, you have the best widgets? Yeah. I mean, especially now, it seems that, you know, it used to be, oh, I have all this technology and, I, you know, and that's become table stakes. So really, what is attracting you to the brokerage that you're going to? Um, you know, compensation, not always, definitely not always. No, well, we know, uh, and we've seen some first surveys that would show that culture trumps uh, compensation plans by almost double. Uh, it's not that we're not saying that compensation isn't important. It certainly is. But what good does it do to be in a in a great commission plan if the culture sucks, right? It, it's energy draining. It's, it's not fun. And so they seek other solutions. So culture first, uh, branding, training, support. And then obviously, you know, you got to have the right financial model. Yeah. And culture is one of those really difficult things because it it really is who the leader is and so if you're a leader who's very business like old school um you know you're not going to change who you are so you have to attract agents who are like-minded or really like that leadership style so how do you authentically communicate that culture to a prospective agent you know, I was just, it, it's so fascinating you asked this question because I was recently talking to a fairly major brokerage firm that doesn't do any award events. Think about that. Like I'd never heard of it before. I mean, everyone, you know, does the awards and the trinkets and the trinkets and trash and whatever you call it. They built their culture around no awards. They don't do the monthly rankings and the annual because that's who they are. And so they're they're honest about who they are. They know that they have a total addressable market based on who they are, and they set their goals and expectations that here's our total addressable market based on who we want to be, and that's what we're going to go get. Do you feel like there there are trends with culture, um, you know, kind of like the brokerage of the moment or something that really attracts more people than um than usual or, you know, I just see some of these companies growing so quickly and then some that are really struggling to grow who are, who have really good leaders. Yeah. You know, we're in an emotional business and sometimes agents make an emotional decision, but long-term, right. Um, 
we've written and, and have done some research on this concept called the perception of fit. People have to feel like I belong here, right? And so while there could be some elements of, you know, someone bring, I'm going to make it up, you know, someone brings a big name speaker in and someone makes an emotional decision, right? But that, that short term, it, once they get into that culture that they don't feel like they fit, they don't feel like they belong, they don't know how to plug in. You know, all of these things relate to culture. Um, I think one of the things we talked about is, um, you know, retention that we'll get to. But, you know, agents want to know that, you know, that they can get paid on time, that they can get paid accurately, that they can get the support they need. That all boils into the word culture. That's part of who they are. Uh, and so I think I answered your question. Yeah, there's some short-term things that happen or agents make emotional decisions, but when they get in there, they don't feel like, oh, I made a emotional decision and now I don't know how to plug in. I'm not connected. The culture is not what I'm used to. Then they, they bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, are there certain markets where agents are more likely to leave like uh, during a, a up market, a down market? Do they stay in place during a down market? Um, what do you, what do you see in your um, practice? What we're seeing right now, and we're dealing right now, we're working with about 75 different brokerage firms across 100 markets. In this current market, it's probably tougher than it's ever been because folks are paralyzed. You know, all the new, we all know what the news and all the stuff that's going on in the industry, people are like, maybe I just need to think before I make a move. And so we're not seeing right now in any of these markets a lot of movement. It's interesting. Um, you know, you'd think, I, I think um, during COVID, I want to say there was quite a bit of movement. It's interesting that during that kind of really uncertain time, people felt good about just leaving and going to another brokerage. You know why I think that was? <clears throat> because they needed different things and they needed it now. You know, one of the things I was running a major brokerage at that time, and we immediately instituted a daily, basically, sales meeting. And because people needed, we needed to over-communicate, we needed to over-support, we needed to make sure people were connected and knew what to do and what not to do. And in my opinion, if you didn't have that in your culture, they're gonna bolt. Because they had that need, it was, uh, it's different than it is right now. Right now it's like, oh, I'm not quite sure what's gonna happen and maybe I just need to sit back and observe for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty twenty four is the year to act to make bold moves, tell better stories, and build brands that endure. At the Thousand Watt Brand and Marketing Summit, we're putting real estate experts like you in a room with some of the greatest marketing minds around so you can turn your big ideas into action. Join us in Dallas, June twenty fifth through the twenty seventh for a real estate event designed for doers. Get your tickets at thousandwatt.net forward slash summit. That's one zero 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 W A T T dot net forward slash summit. And, and let's talk about that retention piece, because I think that you don't um, have a good talent attraction um, process without having a retention process that ties into it. 
And so what are you seeing as far as retention? What are the best brokers doing to retain agents? So, so first of all, I, in, in my opinion, retention is recruiting. And retention is our first recruiting strategy, our first recruiting tactic. Uh, if, if you think about it, our, our existing agents are what? They're our biggest billboard. They're our biggest advertisement. They're the ones out there representing our brands and our leadership. And so retention is recruiting. And, and how do we re recruit our keepers? You know, I was thinking our good friend Steve, you know, a number of years ago did a study about how we get closer to our people. I think we're going to talk about that later. But, you know, one of the uh, clients that we're working with, a major brokerage, they realize that right now we're in an inventory constrained market. Uh, they've been following the Altos data and, and, you know, all the reports that you guys are putting out. And they started a 10-day morning mastermind on how to earn listings in this market. And they brought in their best listing agents who were having the most success. They also invited some of their prospects. And so they're pouring into their own people. They're showing some of the people they like to get part of their culture. And so they have a retention event and an attraction event all in one. And it's been wildly successful. Yeah, I mean, that is something that everyone wa is struggling with right now because of the inventory situation. You're just trying to find all of those, as many opportunities for listings um, as you can and find those hidden listings as well. And if you think about it, anytime you're in transition, anytime you're in uncertainty, we can go back in history. When you over-communicate, when you over-communicate, when you pour into your people, when you give them more value than they expect, it pays, it pays dividend. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they want to know that you care. So, um, you know, by offering them valuable classes or, um, you know, whatever it is, it, it really does show. And it's interesting about the awards because I've heard both sides of the awards. I've heard, well, it's the same agents getting the same award all the time. I'm never going to get it. So I don't really care about it. I don't want to see some leaderboard where the same people are up on the leaderboard and I'm never going to crack that. And, you know, so it's demoralizing to some people and motivating to others. Well, and I've heard this, you know, and I've been around like, like, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, but I don't think I've ever met a company that doesn't do them at all. So I was actually a little shocked because, you know, I hear the same things that you're hearing and, you know, in firms that I was in leadership or ran or had the same, um, but I never not thought of not doing them, but where they, they just don't do it as part of their culture. They don't do them at all. And, and when they're some of their few agents who bring it up, he, you know, they have a, here's, here's the why, here's why we don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And what is their why? Do you know? A lot of the reasons that you said, you know, and it's like, you know, let's spend that money and do things and they spend it and redirect it in other activities in their culture that, that their agents love. So what are some of those activities that can really drive um, both talent attraction and retention other than, you know, you talked about the listing, um, how, you know, listing seminars. What are some other Things. Yeah, there, there's a number of them. You know, one of them right now, as we all know, everyone's looking for best practices. They just want to talk to anybody who's having any success on tips, tricks, best practices on listings. The, the other thing uh, that I successfully used uh, in talent attraction was a quarterly business review. One, it's a discipline that many of our uh, 
agents lack. And when you bring that discipline, guess what? Their per person productivity increases. Uh, and that's a retention tool. And by attracting uh, people and inviting people in to experience those. So one of them is just a quarterly uh, intentional structured business review. Typically, you want to separate that by new agents, mid-career mid agents, and advanced agents, right? So you can't do it one size fits all, but three uh, quarterly business reviews uh, can be very, very powerful. And I don't see it being done all. And why do you think it, but it's not being done? It takes effort. And, and so it, it's, it's important, but not urgent. You know, one of the things I think you're going to ask me, well, what are the mistakes I'm saying? Well, we're spending all of our time in the, the urgent yet important quadrant. And we're not spending enough time on those important but not urgent things like like planning a quarterly business review for our people. Yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part of, of running a business, isn't it? You get wrapped up in the day-to-day. -day. It's really any job, honestly. You get wrapped up in the immediate and, you know, then all of a sudden days have gone by and you haven't planned and you haven't strategized and you're just answering emails or, you know, putting out fires. Um, do you have any, any tips or strategies to help brokers really focus um, on those things and figure out how to structure their day? I mean, you've done it. And, and it's so important because right now, you know, think about it. Increasing our per-person productivity is just as important as you know, re recruiting and attracting talent in. One of the things I've done is one, I'm just more cognizant of getting caught up in the whirlwind. I know that 80% of my results come from 20% of my efforts typically. And I get very intentional about 90 minute sprints. I tend to work in 90 minute sprints. And I'll be phones off, do not disturb, 90 minutes towards this key objective. Then after that 90 minutes, open, I can do phone calls, got a minute, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll go back into a 90 minute sprint. Uh, so different strategies work for different people, but you know, basically I'm describing old fashioned time blocking. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, I always hear you like get up early. Now I'm a morning person. So getting up for me is easy. I'm up at, you know, usually around 5am and, um, but a lot, a lot of, not everybody's a morning person. Not everybody wants to get up and have that extra couple hours to plan their day or, or um, you know, plan a business. You know, I think uh, Hal Elrod wrote it in his Miracle Morning thing. He has a whole chapter on if you're not a morning person, because it's about the Miracle Morning. But uh, and I relate to that because one of, one of my hashtags, I'm kind of known for win the day. I'm the hashtag win the day guy. Yeah. You can win the day by eleven, or by eleven, because eleven comes around twice, yeah. right? Yeah. And so as long as you're winning the day, like, you know, okay, what I need to do to win the day today are these five things. Those things get done by 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. They, they, they just got to be done. And so to win the day, what I try and do more often than not is when I lay my head on the pillow, pillow did I win the day? Um, and, you know, that can be in the morning, it can be in the afternoon, it can be in the evening, but you got to win the day. You know, I was thinking... You, you made me think I used to work for uh, a chief operating officer, large, I think it was like the fifth largest brokerage firm at the time. And she would book all of her vendor appointments 12 weeks out. You could not get on her calendar. If you weren't in her 12 week block, you weren't getting in until the next count, the quarter. So she was very intentional about 
Now, if you're uh, an employee and a manager and you had trouble, you know, obviously you could get in. But for the routine, uh, typical, you know, hey, I'd like to pitch you my product, you, you know, she laid it out very intentionally 12 weeks out. And she was like brutal on it. Yeah. You know, setting boundaries. That's that's huge. Um, I know even for me, that is very difficult. I check my Slack constantly and I really should be avoiding it for hour, you know, hours at a time. So put it in a time block, put it in a check my yeah. time block. And, and then you know that it's there uh, and intentional. For, for me, I really ha have had success with intentional 90 minute sprints on key objectives. Yeah. Well, I want to get into some trends because I feel like um, things have changed some with it, it. A lot of everything has changed, stayed the same, but it's also changed um, as far as recruiting and talent attraction. So tell me some of the things that you've noticed and some trends you're seeing um, in the industry right now. Well, obviously, there's a, a lot, you know, a lot of the things have stayed the same and we'll talk about that. But, the, but there's a lot of things that are changing. And as you know, these attraction events, uh, business planning events, uh, business development events, motivational events, uh, best practice events like this one we talked about, you know, how to earn listings uh, in the current market, things like that have changed and and they're happening all around us. And if we're not in that game, uh, agents are noticing. The other thing that's changed is the use of artificial intelligence and AI in the MLS data. You know, we've got tools like Corded and Relytics who are serving up to us, you know, hey, these agents are more likely to move than those. These agents that used to be at your firm who've left you are likely to change. Uh, these agents who are rookie agents with less than five years are more likely to be more successful than these. So all of this artificial intelligence has really changed the landscape uh, of, uh, you know, data. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I was talking to someone and it was really interesting because, you know, they were like, oh, well, I just, I noticed that this person kind of was doing a ton of transactions. They've tapered off. So now I know they're at risk of leaving. And um, this person, you know, seems very successful, but they've somewhat plateaued. So they're also at risk. Um, and they're using AI to kind of determine that. Um, so what are, when you notice those things, what are some best practices to bring them back in the fold? Well, hopefully you have... Uh, events and training that are, that are tied to these things ongoing in your culture. Uh, you, you know, I always think about what do I need to be doing to increase per person productivity? What are the things that don't just make you feel good, but make you more productive, right? And it's, it's even more important because one of the things that's changed that we, that we haven't talked about is the size of the market has changed, right? I mean, we don't need to say, you know, in the industry, you know, where we've gone from, number of listings to today, um, you know, in the Altos report, I think traditionally, you know, Mike's been talking about, you know, 1.1 million listings and now we're down to 665,000. And even though that's up 8%, it's still well short of historically, right? And, and so anything we can tie to about per person productivity in these events are, are is, you know, super important. Yeah, I've noticed a huge um, focus on that, even for transaction, well, transaction fee companies, yes, but even for low fee models that are charging maybe just a desk fee or something, 
Um, you know, they're not looking for volume of agents. They're really, really focusing on productivity right now, which, um, you know, will really pay huge dividends in the long run. Um, because, you know, if you focus on that, then, you know, you've got it made. So, so yeah, I've seen a shift to that, um, especially with this market and the low inventory, they're trying to help agents. And when you think about it, we should have been focused on productivity all the time. Yeah. It's just this, this market is really forcing you even more so. Many of us are, and I know many of your audience uh, listening in have always been focused on productivity. So it's not new news to some, but um, it's easy when the market is growing and expanding and, you know, you're, you know, you're a little plump, you know, it, 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 it's easy to take that for granted. But right now you, you can't take it for granted at all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so what things were working in recruiting or talent attraction that aren't working anymore? You know, we're not seeing right now uh, working as well, just the, the old fashioned cold call, right? Uh, there is some old fashioned cold calling and you need to do that. Uh, but some of our most successful folks are you know, working off. They have a culture that naturally generates referrals. You know, the, the number one indicator of a healthy business is the number of referrals you get. If you're not getting any referrals, you've got to look at the health of your business, the health of your culture. And, and so we're seeing a shift to, you know, re referral opportunities, right? Uh, seeing that, not that necessarily, you know, cold calling is dead. There's obviously some cold calling components that, that can work, but not nearly as well as a referral-based recruiting system. What about the old-fashioned, like, direct mail and things like that? I haven't seen uh, anybody that we're working with that has had much success with that other than uh, new agents coming into the industry. Okay. That, that they're having some success with, with uh, continued with matters. I was just talking to one of the owners of a Texas-based licensing school, and she told me every one of her seats is full. It actually surprised me. Wow. That's interesting. So that's the state of Texas. I haven't talked to other states at the moment, but right now she's totally full. So do you think the litigation um, has, is hampering recruiting at all? Or uh, and talk to me a little bit about that. Look, any anything that creates uncertainty, you and I know this, right? When you have uncertainty, what do people do? They pause, right? And just like salespeople, when we help salespeople get out of uncertainty they, they and fear, when you're in fear and uncertainty, you typically shut down. And so when people are in fear and uncertainty, they, they shut down. What we're seeing, though, is where uh, people can work through that, where they know their value proposition, particularly strong listing agents. They're not in fear at all. It's interesting. I uh, kind of off topic, but um, uh, the, the, the 
top listing agent was presenting to a mortgage company recently, and they said, hey, uh, I think the buyer's agents are going to get squeezed, and maybe the loan officers ought to become <laughs> buyer's agents. But that's a whole other story. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's really these these lawsuits and the DOJ's actions are definitely going to impact the industry in some way. I think the people who will come out on top are the ones who are proactively looking for ways to, um, you know, be more transparent and adjust their business models now um, so that it, it isn't as difficult. Well, and time and time again, those who provide value survive and those who don't, don't. Uh, and obviously in, in the state of Texas, the, the, the school I was talking to, their, their brand new agent seats are full. So they're obviously informed. They see the same news we do. Uh, it's not scaring them from entering the industry. It's interesting. So let's get down to kind of brass tacks. What are some top strategies for brokers and managers who are looking to up their uh, recruiting retention attraction game. Yeah. So, so, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Let's get into the events game. We, we need to be in the events so other agents can experience your culture. And when you do that, you're automatically doing retention and pouring into your own folks for uh, productivity. And when they're done right, uh, you can do both. You can do retention and attraction. So, Number one is events. What's happening in your event strategy that's working for you or not working for you? Number two is referral. Referral, as we mentioned earlier, is the number one indicator of a healthy business. Uh, no referrals, you got a problem. And, and then finally, three, and this is interesting, is what I would call selection. Better selection. We've spent... Uh, my business partner, Ben, and I have been a silent partner in this business for over you know, for, for a long time. But the business has been around 17 years. We have a database of well over 15,000 real estate professionals where um, some of our clients that are using this have doubled their success. In, in using hiring, uh, we've produced more top producers than their traditional hiring methods, and we've reduced their failed hires by half using assessment tools that can help identify some people just don't belong in this industry because they're not wired. They don't get their energy. They don't get their excitement from the work that's required to be successful. They can be very successful as an accountant, as a transaction coordinator, as a escrow officer, as a something else. But if they don't get their energy from work, in the tasks that are required to be successful, no, no coach, no training, no program is going to ever help them get over that because they're not wired for it. Yeah. Do you think that's a, a trend um, now that brokers are being more selective and, and carefully choosing um, just overall the agents who they bring into the company? They are. They, they are. But I'm not sure they're doing it properly. There's a okay. few firms that are using assessment tools, like one is our, the Core Capacity Index. There's a few others, um, you know, some big name brands we know use assessments pretty successfully. Uh, but there's a role for a selection and assessment that is wildly underutilized. Uh, and we, we have an expertise in it. 
and it can help you be more selective where you spend your time. If you have 10 agents and you only have two hours to, to follow up, who are you going to follow up with? Well, we can show you which ones to follow up with and which ones maybe you ought to wait for them to follow up on you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and so it's way underutilized. Um, and the last question I have is really with the events, um, because I, I do think um, those are incredibly valuable. Uh, what about, is it a mix of in-person and online or do you all in-person? What do you recommend? Yeah, I, I think in today's world, you have to have a mix. You know, if, if you're 100% in-person, you're going to miss some people. If you're 100%, you know, virtual, you're going to miss some people. So, so what we're saying is a, is a good mix of both uh, agents love. They appreciate, they appreciate the flexibility and the uh, ease of online, but they really miss the personal connection. And so it's a combination of both. And it really relates to, uh, and I wanted to work this in, um, you know, our good friend Steve Murray did a study a number of years ago in the last downturn. And this is what I think we're all missing with these events and other things. Uh, and I don't remember all the stats, but basically he found 15 companies that grew during a downturn. And the only common factor was they got closer to their people. They got more relevant to their people. They got more valuable to their people. And that's, that's the soft side of this business. That's, you know, it's not the technology, it's not the AI, it's the, it's the getting closer. Yeah. People want to know you care. Honestly, they want to know you care. And, um, you know, it could just be a simple phone call, but it is, you know, even, and it's hard to scale as you get bigger. It's very difficult to scale that if you're the only one who is going to do it. I, I would argue it, it's it's easy to scale if you have a team. Okay. Yeah. If yeah. A team can do it. If, if, if you're going to say it's just me, right? And th then yeah, you're you're hard, but but you can scale that with a team. Definitely. Uh, well, Mark, uh, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. Any last words? You know, I think I would probably do what Steve said: get closer to your people. We need let's get closer to each other. The relationship piece, particularly in times of uncertainty and fear. People are looking for leadership. People are looking for direction. People are looking for your point of view on how we move forward in uncertainty and fear. And when you can move people out of uncertainty and out of fear, um, big things are going to happen. Great. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.